Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to Expert Opinion. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show is titled Utility, how today's top B2B marketers are applying help not hype, to build relationships and increase sales. Today's guest is Jay Baer. Jay is the author of the book, Utility, an interesting viewpoint on how to shift from the traditional marketing approach of hype to a much more effective approach of help, focused on being a much more useful resource to your audience into developing a deeper, trusted relationship. I heard Jay speak at a recent BMA national conference where top marketing leaders gathered for a two-and-a-half-day conference focused on the future of B2B marketing. I really like Jay's point of view. I think you will as well. Welcome to Expert Opinion. Thanks so much for having me. It's fantastic to be here. Great to have you as a guest. Hey, um, this concept of content marketing has been around a while, but it's a, certainly a growing trend and really hot right now. It seems like you'd like to take it to a completely next level. Could you give our listeners uh, your thoughts on this concept you call utility? Absolutely. I mean, the challenge with content marketing is that the significant majority of content that companies make is about those companies, right? It is about their products and services, and we have a different name for that uh, content that's about you. It's not content marketing. It's a brochure, and a lot of what we see today that's called content marketing is essentially just a brochure in a different form. Just because it's in a blog or LinkedIn um, doesn't mean it's not essentially a brochure. So what utility does is it says, look, content can meet a higher standard. You can create content that people cherish, not just content that people tolerate. And the way you do that is to create content that is massively disproportionately useful. It's content that has intrinsic and inherent value. And the way we define utility is that it's content that's so useful people would actually pay for it. Now, of course, you almost never charge them for it because it is going to help you eventually, but it's content with so much value baked into it that people would pay for it if you asked them to do so. It's a great idea. Got any examples of that? Well, one of my favorite examples that's really utility in real time is from Hilton Hotels, Hilton Worldwide. So Hilton has this program. They started it off very humbly with uh, volunteers or 20 and 30 different hotels in the U.S., and now it's much, much bigger they're operating this program across hundreds of different uh, locations across the world. But what they did is they took volunteers and said, look, we know that you have a job in the hotel. You might be in food and beverage or you might be in concierge or housekeeping or whatever. What we'd like you to do is in your spare time, just pay attention to Twitter. And if you find an opportunity to help, well, just help. And that was sort of the end of the instruction manual. So that's what they do. They, they're always out there proactively looking for opportunities to jump into conversations and, and assist people uh, who need help. So it's not people who are tweeting at Hilton. It's people who are asking for restaurant recommendations or, hey, do you know what time this business opens? But if they know the answer, they just jump into that conversation uh, and provide the answer, which is very, very useful, very, very real time, uh, and really breaks through the enormous competition for attention that we're all faced with. We are definitely faced with competition for attention, no doubt. And we're sometimes overloaded with information. I mean, we live in the information age, and we can get all the information we want right at our fingertips or through our phone. But yet sometimes we don't know um, what is right and what is wrong about that information. You have different varying points of view out there. 
So how can you use this concept um, to break through the clutter? Or is there any trends or stats that you have on this topic of uh, how much information overload we're getting today? Well, what's interesting is that we we certainly do have more and more sources of information, but at the same time, we actually want more and more sources of information. There's fantastic research from Google uh, from a few years ago called the Zero Moment of Truth. And in that project, Google surveyed hundreds of thousands of, uh, probably tens of thousands, I think, technically, tens of thousands of American consumers across a whole array of purchase categories, so financial services and food and beverage and travel and tourism, et cetera, and they found that in 2010, the average American consumer needed 5.3 sources of information before making a purchase. And a year later, 2011, they needed 10.4 sources of information. So in one year, the amount of information that we needed collectively to make a decision doubled. And that's partially because our ability to access information has gone up so much, right? You think about the percentage of listeners to the show and their customers who have a smartphone, and it's probably upwards of 80%, which means that everybody involved in this conversation has access to all the world's information at all times in their pants. So today, we hyper-research everything. I don't care what kind of business you run, your customers are hyper-researching everything before they do business with you. There's an amazing stat for B2B that says that 70% of the purchase decision is made on average before the prospect ever contacts the company. And that's absolutely true in your own experience. I guarantee that everybody listening today has been on a website, and probably more than once, and been interested in that product or service, but then purposely did not fill out the contact form because they didn't want to be emailed or called by a sales rep. Only once you have fully educated yourself with content and you can no longer educate yourself anymore do you begrudgingly say, okay, I guess I will contact them now. So if you think you've got enough information on your website, you probably do not. So it's really all about establishing trust, right? So um, people trust that you're not going to be intrusive. They trust that your data, your content is smart and, and relevant. How do companies take advantage of this this trend of uh, online search and, and what other people are are saying about a brand? Is there any insights that you can offer as to how companies can can leverage this trend? Well, you're you're absolutely right about trust, right? Trust is is the key to the whole enchilada, right? Without without trust, nothing else matters. You know, price doesn't matter, customer service doesn't matter, marketing doesn't matter. Trust is the prism through which all business success must pass. And, and it turns out that one of the best ways to gain trust and maintain trust is to just be disproportionately honest. And that probably seems self-evident, but it is certainly not. I mean, the, the typical business playbook for the last 50 years has not started with make sure you're as honest as possible. But it absolutely works, right? If you think about... Uh, Domino's Pizza, right? Domino's Pizza has a corporate positioning now that they adopted three years ago, which essentially, and I'm summarizing, but this is essentially it, it's our pizza used to suck. Now, not so much, right? That's basically their whole playbook. And since they adopted that radically transparent theme, they have had eight consecutive quarters of increasing stock price. And so you're seeing companies, uh, especially 
especially uh, in retail and consumer goods, saying, you know what, we're just going to be the honest guys. We're going to be the transparent guys, which is really, really an interesting dynamic. Now, on a broader scale, what you're seeing, because people need more and more sources of information, customers of all shapes and sizes are, are using not just content created by companies, but content created by their peers to make decisions. So in B2B, you see companies like uh, like uh, Trust Radius and G2 Crowd, who, who actually look at um, software reviews, for example, from dozens or hundreds of existing customers so that the next person who's trying to decide whether to buy company A's software or company B's software has this whole Yelp-style database to look at when they're making that decision. Well, couldn't agree more about backing off on the, the area of hype and getting back to the area of help and bringing forth useful information and and uh, presenting a brand promise that is believable and not just uh, a bunch of hype. So let's ch- chat a little bit more about this, um, the B2B marketplace. Um, certainly, buying decisions are more complex. They're more considered, usually more expensive, often involve more people than one person. Uh, in some cases, a person's job is actually on the line. And that's certainly why a brand's reputation and the confidence it brings is so important. How can a, a B2B executive use uh, this concept of utility to create that confidence with their, with their audience beyond just um, transparency? Does it really go back to, uh, to help and being able to provide useful information that without coming across as a salesman? Yeah, I think there's two different approaches there. One is to work backwards, to, to work very methodically and say, what are all the different stages of our sales cycle? Who are the people uh, within our customers' companies that are involved in each stage of this cycle? And what questions do they have to have satisfactorily answered about us in order to get to the next step? Literally write those questions down. They say, okay, to get from, from I'm aware of your company to I want to do a demo, these questions must be satisfactorily answered. And then find a way to answer those questions with content in a bunch of different ways. And that's, that's the part that gets missed all the time is a bunch of different ways. People say, well, we have a page on our website that answers that question. Well, guess what? Any one page of your site is typically not seen by any more than 5 or 6% of your overall website traffic, so you've got to do it in different ways. Take that question and answer it with a blog post and with a video and with an ebook and with an infographic. Take those answers and, and, and execute them in different ways because customers access information in different ways. So that's the, that's the first trick, right, is to actually deconstruct the questions at each stage of your sales process and create content that answers those questions. Think of it this way. What if you had no sales team at all and the only way you could do business was with content? Figure that out, right? Act as if that was the case. Act as if sales is just gravy, not chicken, uh, and, and you will be much better off with content. Now, the second piece of that equation is to give yourself permission to make the story bigger. As I said at the outset, one of the challenges with content today is that it's typically just about the companies, right? It's essentially just a brochure, and that's, that's not terribly interesting. So one of my favorite examples of this in action is uh, Columbia Sportswear. Columbia, of course, makes uh, outdoor gear and jackets and hats and stuff. They're one of our clients, and they have a, a mobile application called What Not to Do in the Greater Outdoors, and they spell that K-N-O-T because this mobile app shows you how to tie knots right on your phone, right, different ways to tie a knot. So if you're camping or hanging off the side of a cliff, it's a super useful thing. 
But what's interesting about that is that Columbia Sportswear doesn't sell rope, right? They're not in the rope business. They're not in the knots business. But yet they realize that their customers, who are largely outdoors types, um, sometimes need to know how to tie knots. So they created this very useful application, a utility that their customers want to use, but it's not about them necessarily. They have transcended the transaction, and that's sort of the next-level utility that companies need to embrace. What can you do that your customers will find useful that isn't necessarily just about your company per se? Yeah, good example. Nice brand extension of a, of a promise as well. So let's, let's talk just real briefly about social media. And, um, you know, so you develop the content and you uh, create it and produce it in a variety of ways that you just mentioned. And then, uh, obviously, there's different channels you could use in social media. And uh, we've always used kind of the rule that whatever we're going to push out there should be kind of follow the rule of 80-20. 80% about interesting information, uh, not necessarily about us even. Example of this would be the, uh, the show today. Uh, but more importantly, it's 20% about you know, how we can really bring forth our brand promise at the same time. So focusing on the 80%, how do, uh, how do you offer some recommendations around uh, using social media? You've got it, you've got it nailed. I mean, what, what we say is that content is fire and social media is gasoline. That if you create interesting content, if you create content that is a utility, if you create content that's so useful people would pay for it, if you ask them to do so, like the Not app, I would pay for that, but it's free, but I would pay for it. If you create that level of, of content and then you use social media to draw attention to the content, you will be much better off. The, the problem with social media is that most companies use it as the world's shortest press release, and that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's never going to work because you have to realize that you're competing for attention in social media, not just against other companies, but against your customers' friends and family members and loved ones. I mean, the message from your brand or your consultancy or your company is being seen adjacent to somebody's, like, happy birthday message from their mom. And that's a pretty tough competitive set. So you've got to use a social to draw attention to things that are inherently of value. Makes sense. Hey, uh, Jay, we're almost out of time. Any uh, final thoughts or insights to share with our listeners? I think the number one thing to, to understand uh, is that this type of marketing, utility marketing, where you are giving something away of value uh, to, to delight and educate and inform your customer, will absolutely work. Uh, I see it every day. But it typically works eventually. Right? You can't give somebody something that's useful and expect them to transact in the next five minutes. And so this style of marketing requires courage, it requires patience, and it requires trust that your prospective customers will reward you at some point down the road. So while utility is definitely a marketing system that many, many companies have employed now, it is just as much a corporate culture. It is just as much a belief system as it is a marketing well, I couldn't agree more. Unfortunately, what we see with many companies and clients is that they have their best intentions and they get things started, but then things fade. So it does require continuity, consistency, and you have to really build it into a corporate culture. Otherwise, it really won't be effective. And, and uh, you, know, you know, unless you're willing to commit, I guess that would be my recommendation. Uh, it's better that you not even jump into this with both feet because uh, it won't be effective. No question. And, and it's hard to make that switch overnight and so what we typically 
advise is to is to take one piece of your business, one product, one division, one tactic, one something, and and make that really useful. So embed utility into one corner of your business, give it some time to work and prove out, and then expand it across uh, the entire organization. Yeah, makes sense. Well, hey, Jay, if our listeners have any questions of you, how can they best reach you? Best place to find me is at convinceandconvert.com. That's our award-winning blog, and we've got uh, multiple podcasts and free ebooks and uh, daily email newsletter all about these kind of topics. Perfect. Well, Jay, thanks again for being a guest on Expert Opinion. My pleasure. Thank you.